with Moses. And there was fake fire and there was real fire and there's fake frogs and real frogs and fake snakes. And real. In other words, there's power. the enemy has some power, but he's got limited power. Jesus uh, has all power. All power has been given to him, he said. So in the name of Jesus, every other name is subject to that name and has to bow its knee. So the moment you say, I break every spell, every darkness, every witchcraft, every incantation, uh, every act of rebellion, because witchcraft is a spirit of rebellion and manipulation, I break that power. It has to be subjected to you. No fear whatsoever. The other part that you have to be, you have to be careful on, you can walk in joy and not paranoia, but you have to live a life that's pure. In other words, you've got to be a repented person. Not that you're perfect, but you live in repentance every day. Lord, forgive me. I, I shouldn't have been that angry. I shouldn't have lusted. I should not have hated. I should not have uh, said those words, whatever. And you walk before the Lord like that. Lord, forgive me. I'm working on it. Help me, Lord. Man, he just forgives you on the spot. It's done. And the enemy has no way to get in. So when you're not, work, you're not walking in purity or you get out of your faith and get more in doubt, these are landing pads for the curse words to come in your life. But I'm going to tell you something I felt in the spirit today, this morning. Man, I was praying in the spirit, and it came up out of me. And I said, Lord, the enemy within is much greater than the enemy without. And I'm going to tell you something. When Christians begin to backbite and gossip, and when Christians begin to not have each other's back except for to put a knife in it and sow discord, God says it's an abomination to me. It's something I hate. It's something that causes the brethren to stumble. When you cause your brother to stumble, God said, you got to deal with me. So actually the enemy within the church is stronger than the enemy without. Because we cover up with Christianese. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you. Did you hear about so-and-so? I'm only going to tell you this because I know you'll pray about it. You better not even tell me. Praise God. Don't go there. Just pray about it. <laughs> I don't need to know, right? So um, be encouraged. You've got great authority and great power. And uh, it's time for advancement. Someone say amen. It's time for promotion. It's time to go to the next level. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for all that you've done. We give you praise and glory for it now. In Jesus' name for your word, amen. One of the greatest misunderstandings for, for believers is that, um, you know, we're waiting on God. We're waiting on God. And, um, and there's, there's truth to that because um, there are times when, when patience is necessary to what God has asked us to do or is, ask, or is speaking to us that's going to happen in our lives. And sometimes it's necessary to be patient and wait. So I'm not making light of that. But I'm saying when you've waited 10 years, it's time for some action here. Most of the time, while you think you're waiting on God, God's actually been waiting on you to move out in faith. And, and I think there's a lot of times that we will miss opportunities that God sets up for us because we don't recognize them as opportunities because we think God's going to do something first. It's much like it's much like we pray for people that get filled with the Holy Spirit. And the first thing I say when you when I lay my hands on you, his word is that he will come into you. In other words, he'll baptize you with his spirit. At that moment, he's not going to jerk your tongue out of your mouth and start going, he's not going to do that. You're going to have to, by faith, open your mouth. 
and begin to say the words you hear up that come in your spirit and begin to say those words. You won't say them perfectly the first time. You have to be embarrassed about that. Just begin to do it. And then what happens? What happens? Out of that, mark, that, that, that step of faith, God begins to do what? He gives you your prayer language. The truth is you got filled with the Holy Ghost, but the evidence of being filled to everyone else is that you're speaking in tongues. So that's an act of your will and an act of faith. The same thing it is when God tells you to do something and he expects you to take that first step toward that and then maybe in that first step you might say wait but at least you're moving there's momentum in where you're going god will give you the ability we talked about this last week to get wealth no doubt about that but he ain't gonna go to your job and work for you you can't you can't say lord i thank you i got the job i did all the hard work i went and got hired oh here you go lord tell me how it goes on monday come on he ain't he ain't gonna go to your job and work for you you're gonna work and he's gonna work through you come on giving the strength giving the wisdom giving you whatever you need to fulfill that particular assignment uh for instance my car my car out there does not belong to god it does not belong to God. Quit being religious and say, that's God's car. It is not God's car. He don't need your car. Trust me, he's got great transportation. That car belongs to Jeff. That's Jeff's car. In other words, I've got to learn to take responsibility over what I've been given. Come on, somebody. He, he, in other words, how do I know that's my car? Because when it hits 4,000 miles, come on, I got to go in and I got to get the oil changed. I can't say, God, you have it. I hope we can find a deal today and go get the oil changed. He don't change the oil for me. Amen. It's my car because I got to put gas in it. It's my car because I got to wash it. It's my car because I got to fix it. It's my car because I got to get the McDonald's cups out of the back seat. He ain't going to take the garbage out for me. Somebody say amen. amen. I, I've got to I've got to take I've got to take action and I've got to say what he gives to me, it belongs to me. And I may use it for his glory, but it's, it's mine. And the truth is that God gives us ownership. And for us to take uh, uh, this time for our lives to advance, we're going to recognize that we've been given responsibility. And when God gives it to you, he wants you to own the thing totally. And you pray and you partner with him, but it's yours. What we're talking about here is taking responsibility over what God has given to us. I want you to look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to his likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Uh, both have power. Both have authority. Both have functions. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill, that word fill means to replenish or to restore the earth, okay? Replenish or to restore, right? In other words, anything that has been depleted or lost must be replenished and restored. That's why it's the, sometimes we talk about these tree hugger people that can be annoying sometimes, but the truth, there's some truth to what they say. If we're going to cut down a tree, we should plant a tree. Amen. Somebody say, that's pretty much fair, right? Otherwise, we won't have trees when it's all said and done. And so, and so it's, it's taking care of what we have been given, have been responsible for what we have been given. So God said it's up to you to replenish and to restore. Well, that must mean he's going to give me the ability to do it. That must mean if he gives me the ownership of it and tells me to take care of it, he's going to help me to take care of it. Um, dominion, he says, I'm going to give you dominion. Um, it says here, um, dominion over all the earth that moves on the earth. Dominion means this. It means supreme authority, 
to have control over. You look, if your children are in your care, you have control over your kids. Your kids should not rule your house. Mom, dad, your children should be in subject to you. You don't be hard taskmaster. You don't cause them to be frustrated, but you're still mom and dad, and you run the joint. Now, when I was a kid, come on, everybody, all these kids today got televisions and computers in their room. Nowadays, when you ground a kid, uh, I'll ground you to your room. What do they say? I was going there anyways, you know. They can live in their room for like three months and not even come out of it. Everything they need is in that room, right? And, and back when I was a kid, go to your room, and there was nothing in there. Nothing, not a radio, nothing. And when you were in the room, it was dead silent, or you had your school books, and that's all you had. And you had one television in the house, just one TV, no kids, if there's any kids, there, no remote control. We had three channels. Three. Come on, somebody. And then Rockford got its own channel, and so we had four channels, but it was only on 12 hours out of the day. I should take that back. There was a remote control. I was a remote control, and my sister was a remote control for my dad. Come on, somebody say amen. Turn the channel. Fix the rabbit ears. Come on, amen. Then you got cable, and you got like not 15 channels or something like that. But still, you were the remote, remote control. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that I think we've gotten away with some things in our life, and we let things rule our life that shouldn't be ruling our lives when we've been given dominion over them, and they should be subject, especially when it comes to spiritual matters. The devil cannot come up in your house and wreak heaven. How do you know he's in your house? When there's drama in your house, that's the devil at work work bind him cast him out tell him get out in the name of Jesus amen somebody are y'all flowing me so far I'm just trying to teach us that we don't need drama when drama comes in kick it out immediately I don't care if it's a friend I don't care if it's a I don't care if it's a uh, your relative I don't care if it's your children kick the drama out you are not the Holy Ghost. You are not meant to solve everybody's problems. That's how they suck you into drama land. Because you think you can help them. All right, I should move along because I can tell half the crowd ain't with me on that one. I'm trying to help you out. Get the drama out. Dominion means rulership. It means lordship. It means caretaker. It means ownership. Ownership means the right to possess a thing. So God says, I've given you dominion, the right to possess a thing, never people, but things. Possession of property is also what it means. The synonyms of synonyms, I want to say synonyms. They're not synonyms. Synonyms. Of that word is, but you know where my head is. I had like an early lunch. I'm hungry. Bind, claim, control, deed, dominion, having, holding, occupancy, possessorship, uh, proprietary rights, residence, to take over, title deed, usage. I mean, those are all powerful things. He said, I've given you that kind of authority. You have that kind of dominion. An owner is responsible to make sure the stock is replenished. 
So anything that's been used up has to be restocked and restored. That's God's message to us anyways. That's the church's message worldwide, to be a restorer of the breach. Because Jesus is one who comes to restore people back to life or restore situations back to life. So that's very important that we understand this. So if it's been used up, people feel used up. They come into the house of God. They shouldn't feel more used up. They should, they should feel like they're being replenished. They're, they're, there's more being put into them that's actually being taken out of them. Amen, somebody. Otherwise, we're heading toward burnout. So it's got to be, it's got to be like that. So we have an anointing to restock and to replenish. You know, toilet paper doesn't seem like it's that important until you need it. Come on, y'all. I don't want to be a graphic on you, but you have you done, ever looked at looked over and said, it's empty? You're, oh, no. Oh, no. Somebody didn't do their job. Come on, somebody. And it's usually one of them kids. Come on, somebody. Use the last piece of tissue on there, and there's nothing left. Come on, y'all. And you're screaming, get me some toilet paper. Come on. That's just life stuff. I know it's gross, but it's life. Right? It's aggravating. It frustrates you, right? Why? Because it did, somebody didn't do their job. They didn't put it back. Everybody said, we got to put it back. Can't always just take, take, take. You got to make sure it's replenished and restocked and restored. Amen, somebody. Ownership observes what is lacking or lost and seeks to address it. So when you're really responsible in life, you're actually looking for things. In other words, you're being preemptive. You're looking for things that may run out before it runs out. You're looking to make sure things are taken care of before they fall apart. Because you're an owner now, and you're responsible for that thing. So you don't want to be hit, you know, at the last second. You want to make sure it's addressed and addressed quickly. And you never shirk responsibility. That's why, that's why, um, uh, you know, uh, rental properties, most people wouldn't treat their property if they owned it like they would their rental property. But if it's somebody else's property, you really don't care that much about it because it ain't yours anyways. So you'll let things go. If it's a leaky pipe, well, it's not that bad. Let's let it go. And if it gets bad, we'll call the landlord. That's how you think when you rent. We all do that, right? But if it's your house, oh, my God, that's a, you know you're the bottom line. You're the last line of defense. If you don't fix it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse, right? So you don't shirk responsibility. When you're an owner, you take care of business. How about a rental car? I love rental cars. Why? It ain't my car. I'll run that thing. Let's go, right? I don't care, right? I take a little insurance on it. I don't care. I park it where I want to park. I don't care if it gets a little ding on the, on the side of the door. It ain't my car. That's the reason why I took the insurance out on it, so I can get it dinged. I hope it does get dinged. Hallelujah. So actually, I paid for it. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, is you don't do that with your car. Brand new car, I know how you park way out. The only time you get exercise is when you get a brand new car and you go to Target, you park way out there. Why? Because you don't want nobody getting close. Don't even, don't look at it. Don't even breathe on it. Come on. Right? Because you're responsible for that thing. You want to make sure that it's okay. And that's why I hate, I don't hate people but I, at all, but I hate to see it when somebody litters. I hate it. I mean, I hate it so bad. My wife hates me being in the car because I've been a fit all the time. I said, I, I, I said, buddy, and I would not make a good cop. You were a cop for years. I don't have, the, I don't have that in me to be a good cop because I'm the cop that will stop you for spitting your gum out on the street. Hey, hey. Pick that thing. Pick it up. Pick it up. I'm Barney Fife, man. I got the one ball ready to go. I'll put you in jail. Pick that thing up. That, that's how I would be because I, I, that, that's why I don't have a good temperament for that kind of stuff. I just can't believe somebody in front of me 
will throw out a McDonald's wrapper, eat the sandwich at a stop, and just throw it out the window. I'm sitting right there. I'm thinking, I, I'm, I'm going through the roof. Now, why do I even care? Or oh, the cigarette, the proverbial cigarette. You smoke the cigarette. It's your dumb smoke killing everybody else. And then you flick it out and it hits my car. Milwaukee ain't your ashtray. I don't get that. I could never do that. Now, why does it bug me so bad? Or why does it bug you so bad? You know why? Because we have a degree of ownership here. We believe that it should look a certain way. We believe we should have a certain responsibility to not make things look so bad all the time. I'll never forget driving through the hood one time. And, 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 and it's kind of messy in some areas, you know. It's messy on the, on the good side, too. But it's really messy in this particular area. And this little, little guy, he was out there sweeping, boy. He was sweeping his stuff and picking up his trash. And I went by a couple days, a couple weeks later, and the same guy was out there doing it again. I thought, look at this guy. I mean, his property is pristine, man. And I thought, that guy's probably out there three or four times a day picking up somebody else's garbage. I would be having, I couldn't live like that. I would be having to fit. But you know what? He just gets up and he's responsible for whatever comes into his yard. He ain't going to fuss about it. He just picks it up and throws it away. And just because there's a lot of garbage out there in the street don't mean, well, this ain't going to matter. I just throw it here. It matters, right? When you own something, maybe like someone going to your living room and just start trashing the place for no reason. You picked it up. You, you, you vacuumed it. You dusted that place. You know it took you an hour to, to get your house clean. Come on, somebody. And, and so I'm telling you the difference between when you really get the understanding that I've been given this to take care of. Matthew 9, 35 then Jesus went out about all the cities and, and, and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they, they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Now, they weren't, he wasn't their daddy. He, wasn't, he didn't have anything to do. He didn't even know those people. But when he saw them, he had compassion for them. And though he was tired... He took ownership. He took what? Dominion. And said, Lord, you grant to me what is necessary for the strength that I need to minister to them. But I'm going back there and I'm going to go ahead and minister to those people even though I'm oh so tired. Right? So church, we look, my wife said, man, I am so tired. I am so tired today. I'm so, she was making me tired. I was, I was just so tired. And she's never like that. She's always on the go, go, go. And she's, I just want to lay down and take a nap. She, I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna, I, and the whole day she just was complaining about being so tired today. How are you feeling now? Feeling pretty energized now, right? There's a devil. I had to cast it off. You didn't know it, but I casted it off you. <laughs> truth is, truth is, you know what? She knew she had to get up. She knew she had to take care of her responsibilities today. She knew she had to get ready for tonight's church. She knew she had a little meeting to meet with someone beforehand. She knew that she had to come to the, to the meeting tonight. She knew she was going to praise God with all she had, and she did. And it's why. She's just taking ownership. I know I'm tired, but, Lord, you'll give me the strength to give me the dominion to take ownership of my life. How many moms do we have out there? Dads, too, moms and dads. You know you don't get a break, right, when you have kids. You don't, it don't matter if you're sick, tired, none of that stuff. You took on, when the moment you had that child, you took on the responsibility of that kid. And unfortunately, we have too many parents that are not responsible like they should be for their children. They're more interested in making sure they get a chance to go to the club, hang, and just shuffle their kids off to anybody else. And, and I'm not saying that's you, but I'm just saying, unfortunately, that is true. Nobody else is responsible for that kid, period, other than you. Grandma and grandpa can only do so much You've been anointed by God to take care of your children. 
So Jesus saw the need, and he filled the need. Need is what connects us to our purpose. Answering the needs of the world we live in makes us as believers relevant to the world we're ministering to. So when you see the need, you take ownership of the need. Strength comes, wisdom comes, resources come, everything comes that you need on your way to do it. Why? Because you're answering, you're connecting with the purpose God's given you because not everybody sees life the same way. We were talking with, who was it we were talking with just recently, and they said they're, they're and some of you are going to be able to relate to this. Yeah, one, one of their children was just, you know, just kind of out there, you know, kind of selfish, you know, they do their thing, and um, they're kind of fun. And then there's, who were we talking to? Somebody just a couple days ago. And then they have another child, and they said, and this child's so caring, so loving, always sees uh, in somebody else. Oh, it, I know who it was. And um, always sees in somebody else um, when they're, they're left outside the group, and they always make sure they go to them, make sure they feel like they're, they're just little kids, make sure they're part of the group. The other kid don't, could care less, right? He's doing his thing, right? My point is they see life differently, and they'll see the need, and then God connects their purpose with what they see the need being. So a lot of times we get become adults and we still see the need, but we get frustrated and we get angry about it, but we don't connect with it. But the moment we connect with it, we connect with our purpose. We have ownership now of that. God says, okay, now I'm going to give you the ability to reign in this area, R-E-I-G, and reign in this area so you can take ownership of it, and I'll give you all the resources and all the things you need, and you're going to be so fulfilled because you see the need and nobody else did. So some people, I wish I could just preach like T.D. Jakes preaches. That'd be, that'd be, man, I feel like I was fulfilling something then. Well, uh, that's fine. That, but he found his thing, right? But you can make, you bake pies, man. I mean, you're a baker. And you put smiles on people's face every time you bake something. And now I'm just saying, and you have a, you always say, you know, this person just moved the neighbor. I'm going to bake them a pie. Or they can, this people are new to church. Or I noticed that they were down a couple Sundays. They were in the hospital whatever. And you want to go make them some food. That's a gift you have that I don't have. Right? So you will rule and reign in that area. I'm just trying to get you to understand. Everybody's different, but if we all, we're all many members coming together as one body, but if we all fulfill that purpose, we're all doing kingdom business. And so your platform is the, is the, is the apple pie. Come on, somebody. And, and not this pulpit right here, but we all have a pulpit. Yeah, there's so much to this. And so it opens doors of opportunity for ministry. Um, an owner takes loss personal. When you own something and you lose in that, you take it personal. Why? Because it actually matters to you. It matters to you. So we have construction out here uh, on the road. Out here, where is it? Out here in the road, and um, it's inconvenience. And we're really sorry about that. They're they're going to be done probably about a month and a half. They'll be done with the whole project. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be nice. So hopefully you're using other exits to get out of here. But, And I know that it's caused a bit of a problem for us, but usually on Sundays and Thursdays after a certain hour, it's pretty decent. But for businesses, you know, every time I see construction like this, I always feel bad for the little business guy because I know they're going to take a hit. And there's somebody that's selling the same thing that they have. Come on. Uh, they're likely not to go down that road because they get caught in traffic and it's dusty and it's got, you know, gravel and all that kind of stuff. It's hard to get to, hard to park. And, and, and you, usually businesses lose money when there's construction going on the city. Most people don't see that. I see that. 
Maybe some of you see that. Why? Because I've taken ownership. I get it, man. If our people can't get here, we can't pay our bills either. Well, if they can't get to their shop, can't get to their, their place of business, they can't pay theirs either. And you'll see businesses, if it's a long period of time, go out of business because they couldn't sustain the loss. They take it personal. So another way of looking at it is when I hear people sometimes out when I'm out and they'll say to me, they'll say, hey, Pastor Pruitt, I was just, I was just at a place. Uh, it was um, at a Speedway gas station and it was on um, Beloit Road. I think it was Beloit Road in, um, in Lincoln, I think it was. <clears throat> and um, I, we pulled in to get something to drink. And I go in there and I see a lady, she's getting water. It's, it flooded. Right when I walked in, there's water everywhere in the floor. Oh, no. This lady looks at me, she goes, hi, Pastor. She's like, I look over there's this lady. She's got a, she ain't happy. Hi, Pastor. Well, I don't know her. I don't know her at all. And it's funny, you get to talking to people, and they've been to church, you know, and she said this word, I love your church. Well, the minute someone says they love, I love your church, I recognize it's not their church. And the whole idea, that's why we say welcome to your church, because you should take ownership of this place. So I have a lot of people that love this church, but it's not really their church. And there's people that love this church that come week after week, and it's still not their church. They don't do anything here. They don't contribute in any way. I want people to come here, and it's like your place. When you come in, if you see paper on the floor, you ain't waiting for somebody to pick it up. You pick it up. If there's water all over in the bathroom on the sink, you're wiping it down because you're concerned about the guests. The other people don't want to see this place all messed up like this. Come on, somebody. You're taking care of it. Amen. You don't put gum underneath the seat. Hallelujah. That's a topic for another day. Hallelujah. And so, and we take care of what God's given us, just like it was your own house. That's how I know it's your church. Can I take it a step further? It'll never be your church until you get your tithes and offerings in here. I got to tell the truth. Because now you've invested. And you want to make sure it looks good. Right? And we thank God week after week for those people that do that. Thank God for you. But that's the next level. As you're coming in, you're learning more about the church. That's the next level. Remember Moses, and, and he was upset about the people. They were so stiff-decked. He said, God, I'm tired. He said, he said I'm tired of your people. And he, he kept saying, your people, your people. And the next verse, God says, let me tell you something, Moses, about your people. Your people. Every time he, Moses said your people, God said your people. God was reminding him, look, they may be my people, but I'm making you responsible for them. So they may be stiff-necked, but they're only stiff-necked if you're going to stay stiff-necked. If you'll loose up a little bit and learn how to lead them properly, it'll help a whole lot. Amen. Amen. We live in a throwaway society. If something doesn't work out, we let it go. We don't fight for the things we should because we haven't taken ownership of them. So our marriage, you know, things happen in our marriage and we're not communicating the way we should. We're angry all the time, whatever. And instantaneously we go, we're going to go for the big D, you know. We're going to get a divorce. And um, we don't fight for it. And I always encourage people that I've counseled in this church to go as far as you possibly can. When you can't go any farther, then we understand. That's why God gave us the bill or certificate of divorce amongst his people because he understood there were two wills, and they have to go together. If they don't go together, 
it breaks apart, and he gives us a way out. But trust me, the mature saints know what I'm talking about. There's still pain that goes along with all that. That tearing of that soul tie is very, very, very tough on people. So, but we shouldn't give it up. We fight until we can't fight anymore. And when God wants to say it's done, then it's done. Amen. Shouldn't be throwaway. Don't get married to be divorced. Get married forever, forever, forever. That's what you should be doing. Same thing with relationships in, in, in the church world and here and in this church. I don't throw people away. I don't do that. I've never done it. I won't do it. I'll go to the nth degree. The only time someone said, uh, was asked me recently, hey, did you kick out so-and-so of the church years ago? I thought, where did this even come from? There's somebody I, hadn't, I haven't heard of forever. forever. And, I, and I said, who? I said, did you kick so-and-so out of the church? I said, I said, no, I didn't kick him out of the church. I said, I can count on one hand in 20 years of the people we've had to ask to leave this church. And it's always, almost always, it's two things. Either they're creepy and weird and messing with our women. We will not tolerate that. Or, or it's because they're sowing discord among the brethren. And if we warned you and you still won't listen to us, we gave you a warning again and again, we'd say goodbye. You need to go fellowship somewhere else. I, I, not, we just don't do that. Why? I don't want to be a church that throws people away. I want to give people chances. God gave me chances. Come on. I want to give them chances too. But if it's hurting the body, I'm sorry. That's where we have to bring church discipline in. People don't like that. Last thing I want to say here is Matthew eleven twelve, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. The phrase take it by force, say it. Take it by force comes from the Greek word harpazio. Say harpazio. Harpazio. Get that in your spirit. Harpazio means to pluck, to pull, to snatch, or to take away suddenly. A sudden force of removal. Once God gives you your assignment, there's no more time for procrastination. That's a symptom of a lack of ownership. When you know who you are, what you've been called to do, no more procrastination. You start taking dominion, dominion and you harpazio opportunities. You snatch them. You take them by force. A sudden force of removal. All the opportunities God gives you to turn them into promotions, wealth, business, creativity, destiny, and more. An owner doesn't take no for an answer. So when you know... God has spoken to you something, and you get a no, that ain't the right answer. And I learned a long time ago, don't talk to people that can only tell you no. So if you have a dispute with something in some company or a hotel, or I'm just throwing stuff out there, whatever, some store, don't talk to somebody in management that can't tell you yes. Go to the one who actually has the power to say yes. If they tell you no, I guess that's about the end of the line. You have to believe God for the rest of it. But at least you're going to the place. Some people just don't have the power to say it. I can tell you how many times we've had to do that in this church. They can say no. Who's, who, who's your boss? Uh, uh, why? I, I need to know. Well, so-and-so. Call them. No. Who's your boss? Who you working for? And get a hold of them, and they just don't want to be bothered. And it won't cost them much to say yes. They go, all right, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah, okay, good, bye. And they give you they give what you want. The truth is, most people don't know that. When you're an owner, you know no means it's going to cause me to have a deficiency in what God's given me. 
I need a yes. I don't need a no. I need what God said yes. Therefore, you got to say yes. Somebody's going to say yes here. And you go for it and you say, okay, now then that God, God has given me this ownership, I will go into this thing and I will begin the process of getting to the person who says yes. And if he says no, you still got God on your side. Amen?